Hallelujah. Father, we just love you so much. Thank you for your, play, your presence in this place. Lord, let your anointing be upon the Word and upon us as we receive it. And we give you all the praise, Jesus. Amen. Just two quick announcements. Very, very briefly, a reminder that we have a very short folding party this evening immediately following the service. Uh, there isn't much left to do, but if you can stay, please do so. Uh, even if it's just a fellowship for a few minutes. I see you all fellowshipping which means you actually like each other. So you could stand to be together a little bit longer after service. Amen? Amen. Actually, whenever we're folding, we have a good time doing it. So, you know, if you can, just give us a few minutes. Amen. Uh, finally, the other thing is uh, next Sunday evening is July 3rd. It is the evening preceding what? July 4th. Hallelujah. Independence Day. So uh, we will not be having service next Sunday night. This is probably more... Uh, uh, to be noted for our Canadian viewers who are not going to be celebrating Independence Day for some reason. Anyways, hallelujah. What's that? <laughs> don't know why, don't know why. Amen. Okay, so no service next Sunday night. If you have your Bibles, which uh, some of you may have electronic devices instead, please open up to Mark, the 11th chapter. We're going to go to verse 22 in a moment. I'm uh, going to talk a little bit about faith, building on a little bit of what I was sharing the last time I was here. I was talking about that, uh, you know, faith, a walk that we have with God is not by sight, but it's by faith, right? A scripture we are very familiar with, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So just building on that a little bit, um, I think it's fair to say that those of us who are in this or on this path, you know, those of us who have been in this this church or a church like it for a length of time, I think it would be fair to say that all of us would want to be faith giants. You know, we, we want to be the kind of people who get things done for the kingdom of God. Is there anyone in this room who would like to lay hands on the sick and see them not recover? I saw some hands going up like, hold on, I'm not done speaking. Is there anyone in internet land who would like to pray and not have their prayers answered? Of course not. I mean, it's ridiculous to even suggest something like that. So, obviously, all of us would like to have a, a walk that would exemplify what we see in the Gospels. Right? And, I mean, I think what is becoming increasingly important uh, for me in my life and in my walk is that that I would get to be one of those faith, faith giants because there's a dying world who's saying, show me the money. I, I have a lifestyle that I want to live. You're telling me it's sinful and I hate you for it. But you know what you're giving me as an alternative, I don't, I don't accept it. You know, uh, I like the way, I think, I heard Pastor Bronx say it, but I think he was quoting Pastor Dave, and he was saying that the miracles are the dinner bell is the dinner bell for the lost. It's to call them to the table. Come. And so, we need to be ringing that bell, but when they get to the table, they need to have something to eat. Amen? So I think it's fair to say that everyone in the hearing of this voice would say, yeah, I want to be one of these faith giants. I want to get things done. You know, I want to be the guy in the midst of a storm. You know, I'm on a ship and they have to wake me up because I'm so chill this, this storm that's about to sink the ship doesn't even phase me. 
Oh, LA, aren't you concerned we're going to die? Help us bail out. And, you know, just like Jesus, peace be still. And everything calms itself. Hallelujah. We want to be that guy, right? Or that gal. So Mark 11, starting in verse 22. Jesus answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he, has, which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever, whatsoever he saith. So, Jesus says, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever should speak unto this mountain, right? But not doubt in his heart. Or how about uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus says, uh, I say unto you, these works you shall do also, and greater than these shall you do. Right? We, we want to be one of those greater than, right, Christians. I would like to do at a minimum the same thing, right? At a minimum, but definitely we want to be the greater than, which is to see so many people come into the kingdom of God. And I, the, the amazing thing is, that's the call of God on us. And we're, not, we're not looking to something that God said, no, I don't want you to do this. This is an impossibility. No, it is, it's a possibility. It's, it's, a, it's something that it's been given to us to do. Glory to God. We're not looking to something like, for example, the call of, of Alain, or the call on Alain's life is not to walk on the moon. And if I were to say, oh, I want to be a guy who's going to be an astronaut, it's not part of God's plan and purpose for my life. It's not a possibility. It's not there. Amen? I could maybe work really hard to make it happen, but it's not likely. So Mark 11.23 says that if we do not doubt in the heart, and the reason for that is because where is faith located? Faith is located in the heart, right? Uh, so you shall have what you ask for if you do not doubt in your heart. Luke chapter 6 uh, verse 45 talks about the fact that uh, we have something in abundance in us. That which is in abundance in our heart, that's what comes forth. That is what is declared. And see, the mouth speaks based on what's in, in the heart. But if we were to stop and think about it for a moment, it's not just the mouth speaking, it's everything we do, our very lifestyle, the very expression of what we do day in and day out comes forth from what's in the heart. Right? If a person were to, you know, have his, you know, he's mute for some reason. Let's say they lose, he, the, the person loses his voice. His, the abundance of his heart is still going to be expressed, even if he has lost his voice. Does that make sense? Right? Everything we do or don't do day in and day out is an expression of the abundance of our heart. Romans chapter 10, if you want, you can turn there with me. Hallelujah. The confession of faith is, I will preach this message in 30 minutes or less. Glory to God. Where are you, Romans? Why are you hiding from me? I'm on a timeline. <laughs> Romans chapter 10. Of course, Scripture we know, verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe where in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And again, that confession of the mouth is more than just what comes forth out of our mouths. A person can say, I, uh, I have faith uh, that I have faith for finances. And I, and I trust God for the provision of finances. But I can't help you with your, your financial need because I'm afraid of what's going to come tomorrow. Does that make sense? 
If I truly believe something in my heart, then it's going to be exercised in my daily life. Amen? So, believe in thine heart. Doubt not in your heart. Why is it about the heart? What's going on with the heart? Well, see, the thing about heart is whatever you fill it with in abundance, that's what it's going to come, what's going to come out of it. So if we continuously fill our heart to the overflowing with, my, uh, my Redeemer healeth, right? My Redeemer uh, liveth, or uh, my God healeth me. Whatever I fill my heart with to abundance, that's, when it's, well, that's what's going to come forth, no matter what happens. No matter what's going on, no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, that's what's going to come forth. Whatever we fill our heart with, with uh, to the point of abundance, it, that's what comes out. Amen? I know I'm kind of repeating myself there. Why the heart, though? See, the heart will only express what's inside it. So we've got to make sure we're putting the right stuff in our heart. Right? The head doesn't work that way. The head... Basically, what it does, it's, 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 a, it's an intellectual device. It analyzes data. It measures information and comes to a conclusion. The head always looks at things and comes to a decision based on what it thinks, based on what it understands. The head is always going to be led by information. The doctor says, you have gimme Gucci disease, you have three weeks to live. The head comes to a conclusion, I have three weeks to live. But the heart, because it's full to, to the point of, of overflowing with the word of God, which says, he is my healer, the heart says, no, I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what my, my head, my mind has determined and has analyzed. My heart says, I'm going to live. Because that's what's in abundance. Because that's what the heart does. So if there's no doubt in the heart, why is there no doubt in the heart? Because it's displaced by the thing that we filled it to overflowing. You know, I, I, I remember as a child playing while I was doing the dishes. Anyone ever do that? Play instead of... Yeah, somebody's pointing at Duke back there. <laughs> Little five-year-old Duke playing in the dishes. Yeah, I remember playing with the dishes. And I remember, you know, uh, you'd get a bottle, you'd have to wash, and it'd be full of suds. But then you start pouring water in it, and what would happen is all the suds would pour out and be replaced with water. Well, when we continue to fill our heart with the Word of God, it pushes out everything that's not of God. And see, we've got to be careful, though, that we don't continue, you know, while we're putting the Word of God in, also put in the deception, the lie, the, 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 the half-truth, or the people who are going to come alongside and, and, oh, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I can't believe you're going to die. How awful it's going to be. Like we have to be careful that we're not allowing those things to come in because then we have to work at the much more hard. It's, it's right to push it out. So why the heart? Because the heart will only respond to that which we have put into it in abundance. Amen? Meanwhile, the head looks at facts and makes a decision based on facts. You know, if we look at what's going on in, in the world right now in our society... There are people who, even if they're presented with truth, with facts, according to all that we know about science and biology, you were born a certain gender. But they say, but my heart says I'm not that. The heart is telling them something different and they're being led by the heart. That's why it's so important that we pay attention to what's in our heart. Because even if the head says, <laughs> and one plus one is two. If the heart is convinced that it's three, it doesn't matter who comes along and proves that one and one is two. 
It's already determined. The heart has said, no, it's three. And then what happens? What happens when you tell them, it's not three, it's two? Here, look at all the evidence. They respond out of the heart. Very emotionally. Very angry. Very violently. Where is that coming from? It's like it's unreasonable behavior because it's not coming from logic. It's not coming from reason. It's not coming from the head. It's coming from the heart. It's so important that we be extremely careful as to what we continue to place and put into our heart day in and day in and day in and day in. I don't know about you, but I know that there are things going on in my personal life right now where I know I need to step it up in terms of the realm of faith. There are things that I'm believing God for and I'm excited for because He tells me I can attain them. Amen? He tells me that if I stay on the path that He's put me on, it is inevitable that I'm going to get them. That's the first step of faith is believing that you can actually achieve the things that He says if you do what He tells you to do. Amen? Hallelujah. The enemy's, one of the enemy's tactics is to go after the heart because he knows that he can pull on the heartstring. And he can pull on the heartstrings and get us to change what we know to be true because the, the emotion of the heart says, well, wait, what about this or what about that? It's why in the span of one generation, we went from people knowing that certain things were sin and, and even if they were condemn, condemning people in it, they knew it was wrong. Does that make sense? Even if people were, were uh, harsh in their treatment of other people in a particular sin, they knew that it was sin. But in the span of one generation, we've seen it completely turn over where those same people now not only have changed their mind that it's not bad, they embrace it and celebrate it. You know, it's funny because you can go online now and you can go uh, onto different social media platforms and, and people will have a profile that describes them, right? And they say, they, call, they say of themselves, I'm an ally too. And what they're saying is, oh, I may not be an LGBTQ person, or I may not be a person who, I may not be a woman, so I'm not going to get an abortion. I'm not going to do any of those things, but I'm an ally to you. I'm coming into agreement with you. Well, how did that happen? They got pulled by the heart, even though they, at one time they knew that some things were very, very wrong in the eyes of God. Amen? Oh, Lord Jesus. So a problem we have in the body of Christ that we need to overcome is a lot of times what we would deem to be or what we would call faith in our own personal lives is actually just a, he a head knowledge, a head understanding, an intellectual agreement with what God has said in His Word. It's interesting, oh, I forgot his name. What's his name, the guy? John Wesley. John Wesley apparently coined the phrase mental assessment. Mental assent. <laughs> Jamie, can you come preach this message? <laughs> mental assent. Amen. Uh, I actually thought Pastor Dave had come up with it, because I, I had heard mental ascent for the first time from Pastor Dave. And then eventually I thought, oh, well, he must have gotten it from Kenneth Hagin. So Kenneth Hagin had actually coined it. But then Kenneth Hagin gives credit to John Wesley. And maybe John Wesley would give credit to someone other, maybe Holy Spirit, I don't know. But the point being that, that this mental uh, ascent is basically saying, I agree with the, what the Word of God says. Right? And I think a lot of us would say, well, I, I agree that God is my healer. I agree that God is my provider. I agree that God is my deliverer. I agree with all these things. And yet, we don't always see it 
in operation in our lives. And the reason we're not seeing it in operation in our lives is because it's not faith. Faith has that which he has declared. Faith isn't saying, well, I'm waiting for it to manifest. Does that make sense? The best way I can even give an example of this is when, when Jamie and I, we moved from Ottawa to Oshawa, Ontario, so that we would both be in full-time ministry. Jamie had been in full-time ministry since, basically, she graduated from high school, or shortly, shortly thereafter. But for me, it was going from a, a full-time, secular job to full-time ministry. That's what I was going to do. And we're going to be doing it together. And we were starting a church. And one of the instructions God had spoken to me was, you know, I don't want you getting a secular job. I'm going to provide for you. I want you to trust me. And there's a measure of me that was like, yes, I believe you. And another measure of me that was very, very, very afraid because I didn't know if I could do it. And (laughs) there was a point at which I would have said, I'm a man of faith and I can trust God for finances. But then when the, you know, when the rubber hit the road, rubber met the road, whatever, it hit the road, I realized I, all I had was mental assent. I knew that God was my provider based on what the Word said, but I didn't have it in my heart in abundance because when the money dried up, what came out of, of my heart in abundance was fear and concern. Well, see, it took a, a, a years for me to really get to the place of being obedient the way He wanted me to be obedient, even in terms of just pursuing Him and seeking Him to know Him in that. But there came a point where, you know, finally I was fully obedient. No more secular jobs. Lord, whether, if we live or die, it'll be because, you know, I failed you in some way, but not because I failed you in terms of being obedient concerning going to work. Does that make sense? So, it was early 2014 when I finally left FedEx, and now we're trusting and believing God for a provision of finances, and nothing in the natural has changed, and nothing had yet changed in my heart. So every day, uh, I was going into the presence of God, praying in the Spirit, spending time in the Word, confessing the Word, filling myself with the Word, and fasting because I thought, I know it doesn't move God, but maybe it might move Him a little, that I'm fasting, because fasting was a big deal for me. It didn't, of course, it never did move him. But I'll never forget the day when something just changed on the inside of me. And I knew that I knew that he was my provider and that he was going to supply every need and that we weren't going to go bankrupt and we weren't going to lose everything and the kids weren't going to be homeless. There was something that changed. And I remember, like it was yesterday, it was the day before mortgage payment day. It was a Thursday and we needed, a mon- we needed a ch- money. Like, we didn't have it to pay it, and it's coming due tomorrow. But I knew it was coming. I woke up that morning, and I was just like, well, I don't know how it's coming, but it's coming today. And all I could think was, well, I better keep an eye on the mailbox, because it's going to be in the mailbox. I think Jamie can remember that day. And sure enough, you know, we hear the, the mailbox open and close, because, you know, it, it was on the house. And so we heard it open and close, and so the mailman walks by the window, right there he is, and you know, Jamie gets to the mailbox first, and she's pulling it out, and she's going through the stuff, and there's an envelope that's clearly a card. <laughs> we haven't even opened it yet. <laughs> I'm excited because I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm running around the house. We haven't even opened it yet, and Jamie opens it, and a check floats to the floor, and I'm like, ah, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And I'm bawling my eyes out, and it was awesome. 
And I was bawling my eyes out because it wasn't because the check. You know, I wasn't rejoicing over money. I was rejoicing over the fact that what was in abundance in my heart was I knew that He is my provider. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So that's what faith does. Mental assent. It's not an assessment. Mental assent says, I believe God's Word, but doesn't have it. Faith has it, even if it can't see it in the, in the here and now. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We're running out of time. 30 minutes, I said. Hallelujah. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight wants to, to feed data and information, right? Senses to the intellect. And the intellect, all it can do... All it can do is take that information, measure it, assess it, make determinations, draw a conclusion. That's, all, that's, that's what it's made to do. But faith resides in the heart. And so we have to fill our heart with faith. Word. Amen. So, 2 Corinthians 5.7, of course, Paul, he's writing to the Corinthians. And if you remember the context, he had been writing to them about the fact that you know, I would not have you ignorant of the trouble that we had over in Asia. And he's talking about the fact that they were pressed out of measure and above strength, that they despaired even of life, because really they thought, we're going to die here. There was a, a tremendous, a grievous, egregious uh, uh, pressure and backlash and turmoil that was uh, happening to them, which was basically they thought that the, you know, the city was in an uproar and they might die there. Right? Do you remember all that? But then he... He carries on and eventually gets to chapter 5 where he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And what he's referencing is the fact that, listen, when it comes to the promise of what we have when we step out of this life and into the next, what evidence do we have other than what God has told us? We have nothing. People say, I don't know what's on the other side. I know because it's in my heart in abundance that I have an eternity with Him. That, that I don't know what the new earth is going to look like. All I've got to reference is what I know here. And it's a corrupted, fallen world. I don't know what it's like to live in a perfect world where there is no corruption. I, I don't know what it's like to not eat meat. Because I imagine we're not eating animals anymore. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> that just whew, through my mind. But the point is, by faith... There is nothing for our senses to measure in terms of what God has said will come in the afterlife. All we have is His Word. That's all we have. And yet how many of us, that's the first thing we latched onto and said, okay, I'm yours. I trust you. You say there's two paths. One that leads to hell and one that leads to you. You tell me I have a choice to make and if I choose you, I will have this eternity with you in the new earth, in the new world, the new Jerusalem. You say that I'll have an eternity in terms of, of you abiding with us on the earth. You say that's what I have. All I have is your word. That's the foundation of faith that we have. That's how we, we believe everything. The same way we receive that is the same way we receive everything else. We don't have to see it to know that we have it. Amen? So, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in the last message was he's addressing the Hellenistic belief system which was 
everything we see is everything that there is to be known, and everything that can be known will be measured by our senses. And they gave the greatest prominence to sight, which is very interesting because our sight, we can be easily deceived. That's what sleight of hand is. That's what illusions are. That's what magic is. It's, a, it's something that's happening that gives your sight the impression that this is happening when I, something else is happening. And so we can be deceived into believing something if we only rely on our senses because even in that, our senses are imperfect. We're not getting all the data correctly. We can't rely on our sight. We can't rely on our senses. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now the problem is so many of us, we don't mean to, but we live by that. So many times we say, I want to believe God for this, and then something comes up and it provides data to our intellect, to our mind, through our senses. Whether it's what we feel, you know, I'm sick, I'm feeling something in my physical body, it's providing data, and even though I want to say, well, yes, I believe God is my healer, we're, we're conditioned to walk by sight and not by faith. And we do it every day sometimes without even recognizing or realizing that we're doing it. But how does faith come? And, and we don't have time to go there, but in Luke chapter 16, do you remember the, the, Jesus gives a story about Lazarus and the rich man? And according to uh, biblical scholars, they say the way this is written, the way this story is told, it's a story of an actual event. It's an account. It's not a parable. There really was a rich man, there really was a Lazarus. Okay? And of course we know that the rich man uh, fared sumptuously, and at his gate was laid Lazarus, who was very sick and had sores, and the dogs would come and lick their so- his sores, and, and he, I guess, whatever. He dies. Rich man dies. Rich man goes to hell, to Hades, and Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom. And we know what happens, of course, there's an, inter- an exchange between uh, Abraham and, La- and the rich man, you know, send Lazarus to dip his fingers in water because oh, I'm, I'm hot and blah, 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 right? The point I want to get to, let's actually, I'm going to turn there so I get it right. Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. Verse 27, he says, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that you that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, the one rose from the dead. And really the point of all this is this. It doesn't matter what we see. Faith cometh not by sight. Even if one who we know has died were to raise, you know, rise from the dead and come and tell us all the things that he saw, all the things that he heard, faith cometh not from his testimony. It might put us in a particular direction to go seek it out for ourselves, But faith cometh not. Why? Because Jesus says, even if Lazarus goes to see them, if they won't receive Moses, and who was Moses speaking for? God. Therefore, if they won't receive the word of God already given to them, they won't receive it from Lazarus. It's it's incredible. I mean, so many times we think, if only I would have this. Jesus, you know what? If you did a miracle in the sight of all these lost people, they'll come to you. Not necessarily. 
Some will because it's the dinner bell. But we know that that's not how it works. And, and we don't have time to go to it, but there's examples in the gospel where people were first-hand witnesses to the miracles of Jesus, and they did not receive the truth. Amen. Faith cometh not by sight. Okay. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. How does faith come? It cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Is there anyone of us in this room who feels that we need more faith? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Do I want more faith in my life? Amen. How am I going to get it? I'm going to hear, and hear more, and hear more of the Word of God. Hallelujah. Because faith comes by hearing, and by hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah. It comes not by our senses. So faith, the Father is telling us, comes by hearing the Word of God. Which Word? Well, of course, we know we have the Bible. We have this tangible word. This is the word of God in written form. And so we can, and we have to, we must. If we want to increase in faith, we must pour our lives into many hours of assimilation and meditation of the word of God. It must happen. If we want, listen, if I were to say to you, uh, you want to keep your car for longer than a couple years, you have to do regular oil changes. And you say, I don't agree with that. I think I can have a car for 20 years and never do an oil change. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Or how about, you know, you're a pencil neck, pencil neck geek. You've got straws for arms. And you want to, I want to get stronger, and I'm going to get stronger by eating Cheetos. It doesn't work that way. You've got to eat healthy and you've got to exercise. We know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I'm going to do it differently. It's kind of like those people who say, well, I don't need to pray in tongues. God ministers to me in other ways. Yes, He does minister to you in other ways, but what you get from tongues, you can't get from anything else. How do we know that? Because that's what the Word of God says. God, I don't want to do it your way. I am an eight-year-old child, and I think I know better than you. I know better than my parents. After all, I'm going to do it my own way, and my way is this way, right? We, we As parents, we'd get irritated with our children when they wouldn't want to do things the way we were instructing them to do it. Do you think that maybe God gets irritated sometimes? I've told you how to get... You're crying out to me. I, I'm, so, I'm having such a hard time. I'm having a, You need more faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Get to it. Amen. There's no other way. And of course, we have His spoken Word. There are certain things that God has spoken specifically and personally to me. And of course, I take those words and I compare them to what's written in the Word. Because if God were to say to me, L.A., your neighbor is irritating me and I want you to go slap him. Well, I know that's not the Word of God. Right? Right? Right. Okay. So we measure every word that we receive prophetically by the Word of God. And if it lines up, we know it's from Him. Okay. But see, there's two words. There's the written Word, which we need to spend a lot of time with. Because when we spend time in intimacy with Him, in worship, and in quietness, and in tongues, and He begins to speak to our heart, it's going to bear witness to that which I've put in my heart in abundance. I keep filling my heart with the Word of God, and when I'm praying in the Spirit and He begins to speak to me, it's bearing witness with with that which I have put in my heart in abundance. Amen? Okay. So assimilating and meditating His Word. Hallelujah. So... Along with that comes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 26, 
Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Amen. So people say, well, I don't know if I understand the Word of God or, or whatever, or I don't understand. Listen, you don't, Holy Spirit isn't just your teacher. He's your tutor. The difference between a teacher and a tutor is if you go into a classroom at any school, you're going to see a teacher standing in front of 20, 30, 50, 100 people, right? A tutor is one-on-one. And a one-on-one tutor, he tailors how he instructs you to you. So there are things that I can understand from God that Lee's going to understand differently. I'm going to have to hear it differently than Lee does. And and our tutor, Holy Spirit, will instruct Lee the way Lee needs to hear it so that Lee can understand the Word of God exactly and precisely as God intended. And Holy Spirit's going to minister to me exactly the way I need to hear it. I have a a brain that works in both French and English. So sometimes I need to hear it a little bit differently. Holy Spirit knows that. He knows how to speak specifically to me. And then, of course, Holy Holy Spirit knows where I'm at in that moment. Well, I see that Alain is a little grumpy right now. So I know how to minister to him in the midst of what he's going through. Because I'm Holy Spirit. I'm God. I know how to be his tutor in this. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? We don't have time to go there, but 1 Corinthians 14.2 and 14.4 and on. We, basically, we know that when we pray in tongues, one of the things that happens is that we're speaking forth mysteries. And I love the way Pastor Dave used to say it. He used to say, do you think that you're tiptoeing up to the ear of God and whispering mysteries into his ear? <laughs> when he said that, ah, it's funny. And it's, so, it's like in that moment, you're like, oh yeah. All right, I get it. We speak forth mysteries, meaning it's the Holy Spirit giving them to us. And then we think we're so clever. Ah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Of course, the other part is edification, and part of edification is correction. In in Hebrews 12.6, talks about whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And part of the meaning of the word chasten is tutor. Instruct, correct. And, you know, sometimes we think of chastening as a swat upside the head, but that's not always the case. Sometimes a person needs a good, because they need to get their attention, right? But I I think the Father, most of the time, He's not chastening us by slapping us around, right? I don't believe God slaps us around. I believe He's a loving Father who comes close, comes near, and says, no, that's not the way to do this, son. Let me show you how it's done. Amen? That's our tutor, that's Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. To train and to instruct. So, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. There's, that's the only way. And the amazing thing is, if we do it His way, if we do things the way God has instructed us to do, then the outcome is sure. If I told you right now, if you give me $1,000, I'll give you 100% return by the end of the week, would you do it? 100% return on 1000 is another 1000 so if I told you, you give me $1,000, by Friday I'm giving you back two. Would you do it? Well, God says, if you spend time in my word, assimilating and meditating, if you spend time with my spirit in the classroom of the spirit, of the Holy Spirit, allowing him to tutor you, I guarantee you, you're going to understand the word of God. I guarantee you, your faith is going to grow in you like a mustard seed. Would you do it? But why aren't we? Amen. We, this is it. We're in the, we believe we're in the final hours. 
I think one of two things is going to happen in the next few years. We're either going to see a major turnaround, a shift where things, you know, people start coming back to Christ and the ball is going to get kicked down the road a little bit and his return is pushed off a little bit. You know, does that make sense? We're going to see where people start turning their hearts back to the Lord and we're going to see a change in Western nations, especially in the United States, where people begin to humble themselves and turn away from sin and come back to church on fire. Not just any church where they name the name of Jesus but live however they want to, but they sanctify themselves unto Him. We're either going to see that or we're going to see a different kind of revival where we're going to see people getting born again radically changed while also being persecuted and put to death and then the return of Jesus. One of two things is going to happen. But that means we need to be ready. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to spend the next 30 minutes praying in the Spirit, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit, our tutor, to minister to us. But I want to encourage you because Pastor Jim has been trying to teach us as our pastor to spend time in the Word, to to train our flesh to be used to and accustomed to the thought of being in the Word on a regular basis. That's why he posts, we're going to read these books this week, we're going to read these. It's to train us. We need to be spending that time in the Word because when we spend time in the Word, we fill our hearts in abundance with the Word of God and the outcome of being filled with the Word of God is inevitable. It produces faith. Amen? See you in 30 minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, will you please stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Are you feeling edified? I am. Hallelujah. If you fell asleep, that's okay. You just wake up and go back to praying in tongues, right? I don't know how many times I've fallen asleep on the couch while praying in the Spirit. Five, ten minutes later, whoop. Just pick up where I left off. Amen. Hallelujah. And sometimes it's the peace that just lulls you to sleep. And that's okay. Just let that peace roll over you. Sometimes we just need it. Amen? Hallelujah. So, uh, just keep praying in the Spirit. Father, we love you so much. We love you so much. We are so thankful, Lord.